0: Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio.
1: Let's do it. The latest edition of Fizz Radio. Jonathan Hoppy with Gil Gross. So excited to be with you right here on the Score 1260 Double game day today. We got SU basketball at noon against Bucknell, then at 4 o'clock, SU football against Louisville. Gil, what's up, man? Doesn't it feel like night and day
0: from two weeks ago where we're at with Syracuse sports? I feel like with the basketball team, we're far enough removed from 34 points against Virginia, and they're showing good things, and then football finally put together a full game against Duke. That's it a feels fair good. take. Feels that's,
1: good. That's a very fair take. I will argue, though, that Cornell game, It was a bit sloppy. All that Seattle buzz kind of hit a brick wall. I know they still won by almost 20 points. That's what we're here to talk about, though, and we're so glad you're with us for Fizz Radio. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Orange Fizz. We've got coverage of both games as well as content throughout the week, and you can catch this Fizz Radio episode and everything else on our podcast, at Orange Fizz. So, Gil, basketball, good or no good? Yeah, I
0: didn't mind that performance. (laughs) I really didn't mind that Cornell performance at all. I feel like if you have a team in the Big Red who are going to not start their offense until there's six seconds left on the shot clock, which basically means they're just limiting the number of possessions in the game, playing really good defense, Syracuse has a rough shooting night, especially in the first half, on top of that, it wasn't a surprise to me that it was close. And I really felt like the Orange were doing most of the right things, and... You know, they just didn't get that, that spurt, that scoring run in the first half, and they got it in the second half. No issue for me.
1: Honestly, pretty impressive what Brian Earl, and Cornell were doing, just getting it around the perimeter, sort of like what you do in a rec game when you're outmanned, and you look for that one sweet spot, and then, heck, Jimmy Bayheim put up a game-high 25 points, I think it was. He looked great. So the he- Bayheim Bowl, I'd say it lived up to the hype.
0: Oh, Totally. I mean, uh, Buddy played really well as well, and I mean, he took 18 shots. I mean, Buddy was ready to go, and didn't have you know he didn't have his his A plus shooting day by any stretch of the imagination, but looked good, looked confident, showed a lot of new things. I've never seen a team in Cornell focus so hard on a game plan. I really haven't. I mean, they They were stuck to it. they They were they were meticulous about how they were playing. They never put the ball in the corner. They never played fast. They kept it slow, and it's really all they did over and over and over again.
1: Syracuse beats Cornell. Final score, 72-53, to 53, so they pick up their third one of the season, right? They're now 3-1. and one. They did get demolished to Virginia, but like you said, that feels like a while ago. So the Bayheim Bowl, it's come and gone. That's old news. Let's talk about the new things that we've got to watch out for after that game. You start with Jalen Carey. He's out indefinitely. That right thumb happened over the summer, apparently. Kind of odd, the news, the time that it came out after he had struggled in the first few games of the regular season.
0: Yeah, this is this is pretty strange. So I walk into the Carrier Dome, and I see Jalen Carey in street clothes. And, I mean, my mind's just swirling. I'm thinking this, is, this might be the last time we see Carey in the Dome. <laughs> I mean, that's basically... Well,
1: why would he be there if that was the case?
0: Well... Perhaps he this was a scenario. Obviously, we know this to not be true. But I thought maybe he told the coaching staff, I'm going to look elsewhere. I'm going to, you know, go, hit the portal, so to speak, the transfer portal. And maybe they're like, OK, that's fine. But uh, then we're not going to suit you up. And that's what I thought something like that was probably going on, given the things we know about Kerry's season so far. But it turns out he's going to have surgery, which means he'll at least stick around next semester.
1: Man, give the guy credit. Everyone says he's going to transfer. Hasn't done it yet. And certainly he's got time to do it. But Jalen Carey is a tough dude. I really think he is. And I think he's going to fight through this. Who knows? Maybe that hand was a problem. Maybe that's part of the reason why he was playing so poorly. Maybe.
0: Uh, Beheim said maybe, maybe not. Now, that's a whole separate discussion about if Jim Beheim should be bashing Carey as brutally as he has. And, you know, that that's an interesting debate there. But what this does is it allows Kerry to medically redshirt. So I don't think that Syracuse is out of the woods with the Jalen Carey transfer. And for my money, he will leave.
1: This buys him some time, essentially. For sure. Now that he's going to be out, he might not play the rest of the year for Syracuse. We don't know, obviously, since he's out indefinitely. But SU is lucky because they've got Joe Girard, who, if he would have put up an encore performance of what he did on Saturday. We already would have mentioned his name by now, but he missed some shots on Wednesday against Cornell. As to be expected, Coach Beheim says they were good shots, they just weren't going down, and he did get a lot of open looks. My thing, though, Gil, it just makes everybody better. It's pretty clear that the Orange operate as more of a team with him out on the floor, and they appear to be having more fun, too.
0: Yeah, it's refreshing, honestly. Uh, I, I don't... Look, Frank Howard was a good player, but it's refreshing to see someone play the point like Joe Girard instead of the way he was very Howard ho-hum. around the point. He ha- you know, he just wasn't a pure distributor of the basketball. He was just eh, right. And good player, just- right. And and when he was good, though, he was good at scoring the basketball. He wasn't really a good pure point guard. And what we've seen from Girard is a guy who grew up playing quarterback in high school, one of. Won the Class B title, not just in basketball, but also in football, playing quarterback for Glens Falls. And when he's on the floor, he acts like a quarterback, even in basketball. He is confidently directing traffic. He has a swagger about him. I couldn't agree with you more that this team just rallies around him offensively and defensively.
1: Now, it's probably a good thing that he struggled against Cornell because if he had two performances where he was making everything— at this point, people would have already anointed him the next GMAC, if they haven't already. A lot of people <laughs> wanted to do that after Seattle, which is fine because this is sports, right? This is why we do it, to have fun and to make these comparisons. He should be really good. And if he plays as well as he did against Seattle, surely he's not going to go seven for eight from the field. But if he can hit his shots consistently and continue to do, he's gotten a lot of boards. He's gotten over double digits in the past two games. There's a lot to like about this young dude. It, it's pretty exciting because he,
0: he's also one of those guys who feels like a four-year player. He doesn't... I mean, if someone comes in with, like, a Quincy Garrier frame and starts balling out...
1: Plenty to talk about with him, too.
0: Right. If that happens, they're gone. But Joe Girard... He's six foot one, I wanna say. Is that what he's listed at? Yes. And he's got a great jump shot, but in the end, you're not gonna get drafted that high as a six foot one point guard, probably, unless you're absolutely unreal. I mean, even I mean, even the best point guards in the country, if you're six one, you're gonna have trouble getting
1: drafted. There's no fear in Girard's eyes. None at all. I agree. After what he did at Glens Falls. We know he's New York State's all-time leading scorer. We'll hear that over and over again. Just wait till all these national broadcasts. You know they're going to drop that right away. As they should. It's impressive. It's yes. really impressive. Yes. He beat out Lance Stevenson, who was great in the New York City area. And Jimmer Fredette. Jimmer Fredette. Yeah. What? He's pretty good. I don't know. Lance <laughs> Stevenson just, you know. Better he's, player. Right. He's been on a bigger stage. For sure. Maybe not as big of a name, but. Although Lance is kind of a cancer, that's a whole other conversation.
0: Now, can you say the same about the other freshmen? No fear? You can't say that no. so far about Bryson Goodheim. Well,
1: listen, that's what Bayheim says about Gerard, is that he did it all in high school. He had the team literally on his back, and he was the dude every night. So now there's a quick transition. I always talk about this. Last year, Buddy Bayheim struggled. He could not hit anything That's right. in the first few weeks of the season. Awful. He could not hit anything. Gerard, you'd think, is the same kind of player, right? Three-point shooter, provides a spark. He's hitting his shots. They're going down. I know they really didn't against Cornell, but those two performances even out to a really solid performance altogether, and not to mention the intangibles.
0: Right, but he's also not just a shooter, and that's what surprised me about Joe Gerard. is I expected him to come in as a guy with a quick release who could show off a lot of range, But not only has he come in and shown that, he's come in and he's shown that he's an athlete that looks like he belongs out there. And very, very importantly, something that Jalen Carey lacks, something that Frank Howard wasn't great with. He's got the ball handling of a point guard. And in college basketball, you're going to see a lot of pressure. You're going to see a lot of full court pressure, half court pressure, and you need to be able to handle the basketball. Joe Girard has shown
1: that he's ready to do that. He's looked great. There was a lot of hype around this kid, too. A lot of hype. Fans wanted him to be really good. So far, they've been proven correct. So that's the kind of saga behind Joe Girard. And I think we're going to see that continue to develop. He's the starting point guard now. What we've seen from Bryson Goodine makes no one think that his job is in jeopardy. Joe Girard is the starting point guard. He's going to play around 35 minutes a night. And when he gets into conference play, he's going to have an opportunity to really make a name for himself in the ACC.
0: About Goodine, I think that Howard Washington is going to get a chance in the Bucknell game to maybe even steal some minutes from Goodine as the backup point guard, because Bryson has looked, he he's just, he hasn't, every time he's out there, he's just kind of not doing anything. It's not that he's Looks been god awful. He's just, he's just there. And, that's not what you want out of your point guard, especially. It's a little bit more acceptable out of maybe a big who protects the rim, but you can't have a point guard disappearing out there.
1: Let's talk about that coming up the rotation that Jim Bayheim's going to use. Who is it going to be? Is it going to be two players off the bench? Is it going to be three? and which players is he going to choose to play, especially as we get down the stretch of the season. Thanks for joining us here on the Score 1260. We've got to take a timeout. On the other side, we continue SU basketball talk. They play today at noon against Bucknell. Thanks for joining us right here on the Score 1260. We're keeping it rolling here on Fizz Radio. Happy game day. Football's at Louisville. Basketball home against Bucknell. A lot on the line. We're talking SU basketball first. Jonathan Hoppy back with Gil Gross. This is Fizz Radio. Let's dive right back into that Bryson Goodine conversation because he does look timid. He looks solid. The Rhode Island product looks like he can show something as he gets more comfortable He's going to have to play big minutes for this team, though, down the stretch. Well, I want
0: this to be a competition. I want Howard Washington to get his chance. To me, Washington has always been a guy who is just solid. And, you know, he's not hes not really going to do much in terms of getting inside and finishing at the rim. He's a little bit undersized, not as athletic as you would need to be if you want to score a lot. So but, just
1: to be clear, you want Howard Washington to have a shot at the backup role? Yeah, I want that to be
0: a competition because I feel like I feel like at a certain point you need to give Howard Washington a shot. Now, I don't necessarily think that if Bryson Goodein plays to his potential, that Washington has a chance at winning that role. But I do feel like that needs to be a scenario where in non conference play, Beheim is gonna should put them both out there and see who plays better.
1: That's a good point. I think that's fair, and a lot of people wonder why Howard Washington hasn't gotten some run, especially early in the year. Now, with two minutes left in the game, you're not really going to put him in because that's garbage time and it's kind of insulting, that whole deal. But let's see what he's got, and he did say that he expects him to play today against Bucknell. He expects Howard to get some run out there against a pretty bad Bucknell team, one that SU should handle, by the way. Penn State handled Bucknell Penn State pretty solid would yeah. be toe to toe with Syracuse so if you're you're in that neighborhood anyway the opponent's not important right we're not here to talk about the opponent we're here to talk about what's going to happen in a game like this where you do get those opportunities so i'm with you why not see what he's got
0: right i mean and a lot of people forget and i just think that this is important to to go back to a lot people were wondering where's Howard Washington last season And he had an incident that was kept on a low profile. He he kept it private, but you know, he he had that stroke and we didn't find out about it until the summer, if I'm not mistaken. So that's where Washington was at last year. It was a long road to recovery. He had to put in a lot of work to get back to to where he needs to be. And uh, it looks like now he should be Seems like he's ready to go. It seems like he's ready. Now I haven't I haven't spoken to to him. But that's, that's the sense that I'm getting as well.
1: I talked to him after he first played against Colgate. That was his first appearance since having that stroke. And he came in and didn't play significant minutes, but he at least was out on the court. And after, basically, that's what he said. He feels like his role is just to come in and provide a spark for this team, provide some defense. And I don't want to say he was fed up because I think he was just excited to get back out there, and and you never know exactly what, what's going through a player's mind. But you can sense some urgency, right? He, he wants to show what he's got. And he does have some more eligibility after that incident last year, the stroke, counts as a redshirt season, so he's got more time. But he's a guy like Kerry, too. He wants to see where his cards are at so he can make some moves. I do think he has a role on this team. Less so than Kerry, but he's another guy who's on – redshirt watch
0: or excuse me transfer watch and I think people suspect that if Howard doesn't get his chance here that maybe he can look elsewhere at the same time he is a lifelong Syracuse fan he might be more content than Jalen Carey who was a top 30 recruit with being a bench player but I would have to lump Howard Washington into that group of players who will probably be itching for more play time than they're currently getting
1: you know, it seems like with Bayheim, you come in as a freshman, and if he really likes you, you get your chance, and you get a sustained chance. Now, let's keep in mind, too, Bryson is the highest-rated recruit in this class by many services. So it's not like Goodine is just someone you take off the shelf and is getting time against Howard Washington. He's got a lot of upside, especially with his length in this system defensively. There's a lot to like. But like you said, maybe Howard should get more of a chance. We'll see what he has today against Bucknell because Coach Beheim says he's going to get an opportunity. I want to talk about Quincy Garrier, though. He starts every game in Italy. Dolajai should be noted. Dolezal did not play in those games. He was hurt dealing with an injury. So now Marek is back. He starts in the Virginia game. Oh, what happened to Quincy? We thought he was going to start. Doesn't play much against the Cavs, has a decent game against Colgate, but really shines against Seattle and then shines again against Cornell. That's back to back. You talk about Gerard, how about Quincy Guerrier? A little under the radar, he changed the game against the Big Red. He really did. I'm
0: thinking that maybe Dolezal is still your guy, even if Guerrier is the better player.
1: And in I'm not. In terms of a starter?
0: Yes, in terms of a starter because Garrier is someone who, if he puts it together, he can score on his own. He can really do it himself. He's got We're, game. Right, and Dolajai is a flow-of-the-offense guy. He's just like Joe Girard. When you have Dolajai on the floor and Girard on the floor, the ball's moving, players are moving, the offense is flowing. And Dolajai's also shown a lot of things in terms of even like going coast-to-coast coast after a defensive rebound. He's shown better slashing ability this season. So Dolezal has been really good. It's just when when Mark's good, he's not lighting up the stat sheet like Garriott.
1: I agree. I think Dolezal is your starter. I think it makes more sense to bring that offensive firepower from Garriott off the bench. He's physical, man. He can get inside. He made a three against Cornell. He's showing a lot of tools. And he's got the strength. You can tell he's in great condition. He's massive. Absolutely. Someone asked Beheim after the game, I think, if he was just not strong enough and and Jim was quick to shoot that down. Rightfully so. It
0: was not a good question.
1: No, it wasn't. Because (laughs) how can you watch and say that he's not strong enough? It's just about getting in rhythm and taking his shots. Being his kind of player. Listen, if you're going to provide 14 points off the bench... So let's, let's get to this rotation, because Garrier's in it. Right now, you've got the starters, you've got Garrier, you've got good Jesse Edwards? He's in there. That's the question mark, though. Jim says he might play three forwards. Well, look,
0: Sidibe, yes, and th- that is that is the question mark. But right now, Edwards has a chance to show Quincey that he's viable. I think run at center. I mean, how is it different than O'Shea at center? And, and what did Bayheim say last year? He said that it would be smarter to put Chukwu at point guard, which is Bayheim. It's just being Bayheim. He's just being Bayheim. But I don't think he really believes that. But it's the kind of thing that he says.
1: Well, if Dolajai can play the center, why can't Quincy?
0: Uh, the two extra inches. Yeah, it's it's a good point.
1: I mean. If Look, they're interchangeable think, in the starting lineup, you know what I mean? Well,
0: what about offensively? Wouldn't that? See, I feel like Dolezal is a better five offensively than Gary. I think defensively, Brissette. Really? I, How yeah. about
1: five out with Quincy at the five?
0: Five out. I don't know if that's in Beheim's. Is that in the repertoire?
1: Everything's changing this year. You see that stat? They're one of five teams that has taken 20% of their shots from the paint, something crazy like that. Basically, let's translate that into outside jumpers.
0: Five out is a leap, though. And I don't think that five out is a good way to, to really get threes. And I know that might sound like a bold take, but five out is what you want when you have a bunch of quick guys. You, you open up the paint for the drive. To me, that's five out. You're not getting a lot of open threes out. How many times can,
1: can Gil say five out in one second? <laughs> you started it. You're the I've one got who suggested it. ten out of you saying five out. <laughs> I think it's something to consider because when you talk about the rotation you've got your five starters basically if Jesse Edwards can't improve and John Bolajac, right? He's he's he's, he's shirted, So he's not even in the picture. But Jesse Edwards from the Netherlands, what is what does he have and that's what they'll need to figure out As we continue this non-conference portion, it could be seven players. And here we thought before the year that it'd be nine, ten, and that we'd be seeing man, same old crap. That's not going to (laughs) happen. So, is your why was that even on the table? I
0: I think that Beheim because they
1: played it in Italy.
0: No, I think he's troll. Is it fair to say he's trolling? I don't know if Beheim would use that terminology, but I almost think at some point he does it for his own amusement. You think he is. Well, I just think he's amused by it, possibly. I think that's in the realm of possibility. Buddy Beheim was asked about the whole man defense thing before the season, and Buddy, like, chuckled and said, we'll see about that, as if he was, like, in on the joke, as if, like, he was amused right. by the question.
1: He may have been.
0: Maybe he was. Maybe if they he talked was then, about he's that at, still now. Maybe they talked about that at the dinner table.
1: Quincy deserves significant playing time. He'll get it. Buddy looks good. Gerard looks good. Dolajai looks good. The numbers aren't great, but he's had a couple of highlight plays. He's scrappy on defense. We know what his role is. I'm just trying to think, who's looked bad as a starter? Barama, he's overachieved. Guy couldn't even stay out on the court for 10 minutes last two years. He appears to be healthy. He's grabbing boards, man. He's making plays like you need from a center. He's played better so far this year than Pascal played last year.
0: I agree wholeheartedly. Sidibe is more talented than Pascal, and it's it's always been that way. It's just Sidibe could not move. No, and I know that. I know it's that. It's not it, funny. No, it's it. Well, it's a buzzword, which is why I'm laughing because it's all Bayheim would talk about for. Two years is that
1: Sidibe's knees. Is that
0: Sidibe couldn't move. It's you couldn't ask a Sidibe question. You could be like (laughs) Jim, what do you think of Sidibe's free throw shooting? And he'd be like, he can't move. Like that would be his answer for everything. So that's why I chuckle there. But in all honesty, his knees look really good. There was a play against um, Seattle. No. No. Cornell. Cornell. Where the last game. The last game on Wednesday. Yes. My oh my uh, There was a play against Cornell Where the ball was going out of bounds And Sidibe Had to kind of lunge Into like a full deep Squat And he stayed on his feet Instead of going to the floor And that was just one of those movements where I thought wow If he had bad knees He would have just let himself go to the floor He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have even tried to stay upright On his feet and kind of you know, you use his legs like that.
1: So what do you want to do when we come back? Talk sadibe's knees or SU football <laughs> at Louisville? <laughs> That's up to you. I think we're going to stick with on the. No, just kidding. SU football, bull bound? Question mark? What do you think? Uh, no. Ooh. Maybe, though. My Maybe. answer coming up next on the other side. Oh, Stay boy. with us. Fizz Radio, right here on the Score 1260. Okay, we're back. Fizz Radio, Score 1260. I'm Jonathan Hoppy with Gil Gross. Thanks for being with us on this Saturday morning. We've got you until 10 o'clock each and every Saturday right here in central New York. Thanks so much for listening. Gil, SU football at Louisville. We know the stakes. Two games left. Two wins makes you bowl eligible. To be clear, you're not guaranteed a bowl game
0: with six wins.
1: With six wins, there's still a chance that SU would not make a bowl. Now, unlikely, but could happen. Wouldn't it, wouldn't
0: it also make it a little bit less likely that that would happen because the ACC is so weak and you have the you have those allotments for. ACC teams in the Bulls? Well, you say
1: the ACC is weak, but there's a number of teams in the Coastal that are vying for six spots. Heck, they're all right in the neighborhood. Right. Six wins, I should say. So we'll have to see how it all plays out. But for all intents and purposes, let's talk six wins is a bowl game. Now, before we get into it, I had someone a couple of weeks ago, last week rather, after the Duke game, tell me that that win was not important that that win wasn't relevant for the program. And I could not disagree more. When you go on the road in ACC play, when you have not beaten a Power 5 opponent, an ACC opponent, heck, you hadn't looked even decent in those atmospheres. And you go on the road and beat a Duke team, granted it's pretty bad, but you kick their butts, and it keeps your bull hopes alive, after such a disappointing start to the year, that was a massive win. And this program is back where it needs to be. You needed to end that losing streak. And now they're in the conversation to get six wins. If they get to six wins, it's a bad season based on expectations. But if you get to the postseason back-to-back years, in years three and four under Dino Babers, my goodness, that's a huge win. But it's the collective
0: that matters. I think the reason the reason why that person may have had a point is because if Syracuse loses at Louisville, then the Duke game doesn't matter anymore. I would agree with you
1: in but this. But the Louisville game now matters because they won at Duke. <laughs> I'm taking your same yes. psychology and extending it a week.
0: Sure. I think that the Duke game could potentially matter if the Orange strings together wins. I will say this. I feel like some people might say, well, the season's been lost. 6-6 and is a loss. I think 6-6 and would be meaningful, and I know you agree with me on that.
1: Bowl games are everything. That's what you're judged off of. Can you get to a bowl? Can you go 500 or better? That's all you care about in college football, especially for a program like Syracuse, who has not been to bowls regularly really since the turn of the century. They haven't. It's been spotty. Since Coach P left, it's been spotty. Everyone knows that. And it's about
0: momentum. This is a young roster, and that's something that I've been trying to stress all season and even at the beginning of the season. Next, next year, the stars on defense, they're coming back besides the, besides the edge rushers. On offense, you have a running back coming back. You have a quarterback coming back. You have O-linemen and receivers coming back. People are coming back. So if you end this season on three straight regular season wins, and then there would likely be another game, well, now you go into next season with something to build on. The concern after the Boston College game where it looked like no one wanted to tackle AJ Dillon because they didn't have enough heart to do it, well, the concern was are they just gonna, are they just gonna limp out of this season? And then what is that gonna mean for even next season?
1: A seven-game losing streak to close the year would have been catastrophic. Awful. That would have been a complete letdown and arguably the biggest flop ever from the AP preseason poll to have Syracuse ranked and then go on to win three games in a season. Oh, my goodness. It would have been the biggest collapse of all time. And you can't blame the team because they weren't the ones that put those expectations Surely, they were high internally, but we're talking about preseason prognosticators, guys like you and me, people in the media. What a flop it would have been, because everyone bought in, and sure, they're not who we thought they were, but they can still be a solid team, and a win today against Louisville would go a long way.
0: So, the Duke game was what I thought the team was going to be before the season. And
1: Duke's terrible. Yes. Quentin Harris is a very bad quarterback. Their offense stinks and their defense isn't much better, and they had some crucial injuries. The center Wallaba goes down. That hurt them on the offensive line. They're banged up, and they're really, really sinking right now.
0: Now, what I mean by that is uh, I'll throw this at you. How important was Tommy DeVito's performance in the Duke game? I feel like there wasn't much pressure on him at all.
1: Well, he made the throws and he made the plays that he needed to. And honestly, that's probably a good thing. Because against Duke, there's been pressure on Tommy DeVito all year. He's been inconsistent. So now the team comes out against the Blue Devils and takes that pressure off his shoulders for a game. Mm -hmm. Now against Louisville, to beat Cunningham, their quarterback, who's been great, and all the wide receivers they have, all the talent, because we know it's there. They have more talent than Syracuse. Just because they were so bad last year, the players are there, and Satterfield has brought them back to life. To beat Louisville, DeVito's going to have to be on his game. He's going to have to make some plays on the road in week whatever this year, week 13, with one game left, senior day at home against Wake Forest. We'll see what he's got. This could be Tommy DeVito's moment. This could be him this season, hey, I was banged up by week, and then I stood pretty against Duke, and now I'm ready to roll against Louisville. This could be his shining moment as a redshirt sophomore.
0: Maybe, but I don't see it. If I I see Syracuse having success, I think it's coming from the running backs, and I think it's allowing Tommy DeVito to make the easy plays. I think it's an offense where DeVito's getting the ball out quick, where he's— finding quick passes where he's making the easier reads and and then mixing in the bombs because we know he's got the talent if you can give him time he can throw a deep ball 40 50 yards on the money but the the offense they cannot protect him well enough to rely on that and quite frankly I don't know if right now the receivers are good enough
1: to sustain that either so my take Syracuse beats Louisville And they beat Wake Forest, and they're bowl eligible. I truly believe that. Last week, orangefizz.net, make sure to check it out. We send out predictions every week. I picked the orange. Why did I pick the orange? Because the O-line is much improved. Now, weird flex here, I'm 9-1 picking games this year. So before you come in and say, oh, you said the orange bowl. Well, so did everybody else. Not me. What'd you have, nine wins? I think I had... I had eight or nine, but I'd have Ooh. to go back and check. So anyway, you were right there. You were right in the ballpark. <laughs> I'm 9-1 picking games this year. Congratulations. So I think we beat Syracuse or beat Louisville. Okay. Hopefully we don't beat Syracuse because then we'd really be in trouble.
0: <laughs> well, that's happened a couple times this season with the penalties.
1: The O-line, though. I think Matthew Bergeron has been great. The Canadian freshman, think he's brought stability and now with Aaron Service back out at tackle, which was supposed to be the plan all along, Carlos Federello, McKinley Williams on the D-line. Think about how fresh he is. At a time of the year where everyone's so banged up, the war of the trenches is where games are won and lost, especially in November, and I'm buying Syracuse stock right now. Also, I'm buying the fact that Brian Ward got fired. That's going to wake a team up. There's a lot of pieces to me trending in the right direction, and this Louisville team comes out and sleeps on the Orange, who have been awful this year and still really haven't beaten anyone because Duke is so bad.
0: I, I could see it, and I think you pointed to a lot of things that I do have confidence in. I think the, the offensive line is better. I think the D line with McKinley-Williams, this is back to being a stacked unit that could really cause a lot of problems because even without McKinley Williams, the tackles were playing well. So
1: what's your pick? Syracuse or Louisville? See, I'm still going with Louisville
0: because Now did
1: you pick Duke?
0: Um I well, I did pick Duke. I did pick Duke. Now I, I will admit that there was there was a, a little bit of uh a lack of knowledge with what was going on with the Blue Devils. I'll be perfectly honest with you there. Now, Louisville, I would say, is too good to allow Syracuse to fall into some mistakes that we've seen on a game-by-game basis with the exception of the Duke game. And I feel like... They're
1: only six at four. Yeah? You know the Cardinals have lost to both Miami and Florida State.
0: hmm But the... But, The Cardinals will put points up on the board.
1: They're much better than they were last year. And Satterfield's done a great job, but they're a beatable team.
0: Of course, but but the passing game, look, DeVito threw 15 passes against Duke because the running game was that good because they dominated that much with the running backs. I just don't think you run over Louisville like that. And I have yet to see a game where you can really heavily lean on this passing game. And I don't want to throw it all on Tommy DeVito. It's not all him. But when you look at the passing game as a whole, there hasn't been a single game where you've really been able to give, that, give them the keys and for them to deliver without making mistakes. And I feel like Louisville is too good offensively to allow Syracuse those mistakes and, you know, for them, especially on the road, to still come away with victory.
1: That's what's going on today. Syracuse and Louisville at 4. Syracuse Bucknell on the basketball floor inside the Dome at noon. Man, this has been a fun show. So much to talk about. Double game day. We wrap up Viz Radio right after this. Closing up shop here on the score 1260. Thanks for hanging around on a Saturday morning. SU Bucknell at 12. SU Louisville down in Kentucky at 4. That's football, the back half, if you couldn't figure that out. Jonathan Hoppy here with Gil Gross. Let's do some fizz feedback, eh? Hey. Hey. Yay. Will Syracuse beat Louisville on Saturday? That's a pretty blunt question. Right. Yes I already or no? said Louisville.
0: I bet Fizz says, ooh, this is so interesting because people have been so down on this team. I have not looked on Twitter. I'm very excited to see the results. And if I were to guess, I would say they say no.
1: By what percentage? What percentage says no?
0: I think close. I think only, I think 60% say no.
1: Ah, close. 54% say no. 46% 46% say yes. Make sure to check it out every week on Twitter, Fizz Feedback. But wait, there's more. We love to get you guys involved in the show, Fizz Nation. How many players will Jim Bayheim use off the bench in conference play? <laughs> so let's talk about it here. Yeah. What are your options? You've got Garrier, Goodine, Edwards. Who else? Howard Washington? Is he going to be number nine? Am I missing someone?
0: No, you're not.
1: It's not going to be Braswell.
0: No, doesn't seem that well uh, that way. Except did he not, did Beheim not allude to Braswell possibly getting a chance against Bucknell?
1: I be- he should. That's why you play these games, right? Yes. So what do you got? Two, three, or four? Those were the options we put out. I think two. What do you think Fizz Nation said?
0: I think they'll agree with me.
1: Three is the most popular answer. Okay. And this was the more voted on poll two. More engaging than the football poll, maybe because it came out after it, typically how that works. Uh huh. 43% said two players, so you'd have to imagine that would be Bryson and Quincy. Mm-hmm. 52% said three, so you throw in Jesse Edwards in there. And then 5% set 4. Yeah, 4, that's a long shot.
0: Yeah, I would say, you know what? That's a real long shot. When you think about it, 3 is the correct answer because Sidibe—
1: And 2-3 to is just a cop-out. Yeah, yeah, of
0: course. But uh, I think that Sidibe is—it would not be smart physically for him to play north of 30 minutes on a regular basis.
1: So before we get out of here on a Saturday and get you set for two games coming up later today with Syracuse— Let's revisit this basketball team. Before the year, did you say they made the tournament or missed?
0: I said they make it on the bubble.
1: And After what you've seen, it is really, really early.
0: I really like what I've seen. And Me
1: too. I would
0: say it's probably—I'd say it's exactly what I thought, and I'd say exactly what I'd hoped. And this is a team that they play together— offensively, they're a lot better. Now, I think defensively, when they start to play better teams, they're going to start looking worse than they have because so far the defense has been good, but personnel-wise, I don't see them keeping up that kind of play.
1: So what's up, man? You said so much optimism with basketball, but football, you just think they still stink?
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of where I'm hanging. Look, football, football might not stink, but the Duke game was inconclusive to me but still a step in the right direction. And I know that's kind of a lukewarm take, but that's how I feel.
1: It's a fair take. It should be inconclusive because the Blue Devils are really bad. That's the bottom line. Right. And we still haven't seen Syracuse stop a running back. Deion Jackson's not very good. They don't have much of a running presence. Their whole offense stinks. Yep. Their best runner's their quarterback. So what can they do against Louisville? Can they stop the running game again? I... I think they. That's ca- what we're watching for, yeah.
0: right? Well, I mean, Louisville can pass the ball around. Is it going to be Boston well.
1: College 2.0? But you sure, ha- I hope not.
0: Look, ha- has there not been games where the secondary has let Syracuse down? I mean, it's almost like they alternate in some of the poor
1: defensive performances. That's not how that works.
0: What do you mean? They, they don't play alternate? the
1: games, and whatever happens, happens. Right.
0: I'm not saying they intentionally alternate. I'm saying sometimes it feels that way.
1: Lucky for you, we got to get out of here. Thanks for joining us. Fizz Radio, score 1260. Enjoy these games, everybody. We'll see you back here next week.